Hello again and welcome to Diffusion Science Radio, the only show campaigning for International Hugger Scientist Day. Have you hugged one today? I'm Tilly Berlin and I'm proud to say that I've reached my scientist hug quota for the week already. But look, if you're still hugging a scientist, just put them down for the next 30 minutes so you don't miss a second of the show. This week, we'll be taking you on a musical adventure and looking into a vitamin that may affect sexual behaviour. So if you're listening to us in Sydney on 2SER, across the nation on your local community radio station, or you're potting us into your ears anywhere across the globe, settle back with your closest scientists for all the delights of the science news this week with Catherine Behag. Have you ever wanted to know what goes on inside the mind of a Carmelite nun? Mario Beauregard and his team at the University of Montreal are trying to find out. The Canadian team of researchers have been studying the neurological activity of a group of nuns while they put themselves in a state in which they claim to be communing with God. While under the functional magnetic resonance imaging machine, Beauregard recorded activity in brain areas that integrate physical feelings from the rest of the body. The temporal cortex, sometimes called the God spot, was also seen to be quite active during the scan. The Montreal team hoped to be able to get to a stage where they are able to stimulate these areas of the brain in a way that will activate these same religious feelings. Beauregard believes if they are able to reproduce these sensations in people, it may have medical applications where patients are sent into a calm and relaxed state to speed healing or reduce pain medication. Even though the study has a direct involvement of the Catholic Church, many religious organisations are opposed to the research. The traditional hunting and fishing practices of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders may be adversely affecting their health, says the University of Queensland. Dr Melissa Haswell-Elkins of the North Queensland Health Equalities Promotions Unit says that a diet high in dugong and turtle meat can lead to kidney damage and diabetes-related issues. The damage to kidneys is thought to be caused by ingesting too much cadmium. Since dugong has a similar lifespan to humans, and turtles twice that again, they absorb a lot of cadmium that occurs naturally in the ocean. Sharks are similarly affected with animals over a certain age, inedible due to the amount of mercury accumulated in their bodies. Dr. Haswell Elkins' research has found people who eat more dugong and turtle have more cadmium in their urine and also worse albuminuria, a marker of kidney damage in which high levels of the protein albumin are excreted in the urine. It is still too early to say whether cadmium is a cause of increased kidney damage in Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders. Care should be taken when hunting older animals because of the higher levels of toxins they may contain. International space law, the final frontier. At least this is a scenario put forward by the University of Western Sydney's Associate Professor Stephen Freeland. And no, he's not talking about a group of pinstripe suited astronauts blasting through the galaxy aboard the SS litigation. According to Freeland, we're going to be addressing some tricky issues in the near future about what space is and where it actually begins. Up until now, we've never thought to define exactly where space began and where the sky ended. After all, does it really matter? 
We know how high satellites need to be and where the space station is and that they are in space. What else matters? Industries like space tourism are going to change this attitude very quickly. Freelance says if people are going to pay huge sums of money to visit space, they are going to want a certificate to say they've been there. The problem at the moment is we've got no way to prove they were in space as opposed to simply flying very high above the ground. In 1998, Australia actually legislated that space begins at 100 kilometres above sea level. This is not internationally recognised, however. Countries such as the United States, Russia and China are slow to put a legal definition on where space begins in case it curbs what it can do under current space law. And now you're armed with all the latest science news. Strap yourself in, because Diffusion's international man about town, Mark West, is set to take you on a magical musical tour. Music has an indisputable ability to trigger powerful emotions. It is frequently associated with memories of the past, and hearing just a short clip of a song can often trigger feelings from deep within the subconscious. It is also used in various therapies, can add considerable depth to a movie or film clip, and can have a substantial effect on your mood, even the first time you hear a song. What is it about music that conjures up such feelings? It is undeniable, yet largely inexplicable, that music can evoke emotions from your past, whether it conjures up memories from school, Today is gonna be the day that they're gonna throw it back to you. Good times. Or lost loves. However, the mechanism within the brain that allows this to occur is relatively unknown. Traditionally, the fields of music and biology have not overlapped and a deep understanding of the neurological effects of music still awaits us. One of the problems is that the emotional effect of music is very subjective. One song can be experienced in many different ways by many different people. Some may associate memories with the song, the environment in which it is played affects how people respond, and simply the personality and mood of the listener may make them predisposed to feel a certain way about certain pieces of music and musical styles. In summary, songs that affect some people may not affect others. There is a cultural effect. Notwithstanding this, a researcher at the University of New South Wales has worked out a few basic mathematical features of music that influence our mood. Among other things, said Dr. Emery Schubert, loudness, tempo and pitch have a measurable effect on people's emotional response to music. His study involved 66 volunteers who listened to four classical compositions and moved a mouse over a computer screen to indicate how they felt when they were listening to the songs. He found that arousal is associated with the composition's loudness and to a lesser extent, its tempo. Schubert stated, that along with the idea that songs written in a major key are happy songs and those in a minor key are sad songs, happiness is associated with a rising pitch and an increased number of instruments. 
However, Schubert is aware that he has only highlighted a number of broad factors that contribute to music's effect on our emotions. While we know that some musical parameters predict some emotions with a degree of certainty, he said, musical features interact in a complex way, as do listener responses. Before we can compose musical emotions by numbers, we need to convert human experience and cultural knowledge variables into numbers too. It will be some time before we can do this. What we've shown is that it is already possible to locate and quantify some of these emotions with some precision. Dissonance is another factor that is unpleasant to listeners and can create feelings of fear. It may also be intrinsic to music, as infants as young as four months old show negative reactions. It has been found that varying degrees of dissonance causes increased activity in the paralimbic regions of the brain, which are associated with emotional processes. Another recent experiment measured the brain activity whilst listeners were played music they chose that made them feel good and had emotional value for them. Activity was seen in the reward motivation, emotion and arousal areas of the brain. This result suggests a connection between the pleasure of music and the pleasures induced by food, sex and drugs, which target these same areas. Music can also affect hormone levels within the body, lowering levels of cortisol associated with stress and rising levels of melatonin associated with sleep. This suggests music can help with relaxation. It also causes the release of endorphins, which help relieve pain. Everyone has felt chills up their spine when listening to a piece of music. Emotions stimulate a region of the brain called the hypothalamus. Neurobiologist Jacques Pancep found that people more often feel chills or goosebumps when listening to music when the music evokes a sad feeling or is compounded by a sad memory, as opposed to happy feelings or positive memories. He thinks this may be due to evolution. This response may be similar to those our ancestors felt when they heard the cry of a lost loved one bringing about a desire for close physical contact and keeping families together. It is known that songs mimicking the sounds of mourning and wailing evoke feelings of sadness. Cementing the fact that music has a powerful effect on the brain is a disorder called musicogenic epilepsy. People with this condition are mentally deficient, yet most are excellent musicians. Some are even known as musical savants who have extraordinary musical talent. On the other hand, less than 1% of the population suffer from amusia, a condition that means they can literally not recognize a melody no matter how simple it is. So however music works on us, it seems that it must have an important function, otherwise it would not have evolved. Perhaps an appreciation of music, like broad shoulders, may demonstrate fitness to a potential mate. Singing or playing an instrument well requires dexterity and a good memory. Or perhaps it is something we need to keep our brain stimulated with its complex patterns. Whatever it is and however it works, music is fundamental to our society and something for us all to enjoy, even if we don't all enjoy the same stuff. Thank you for joining me on this musical journey and for listening to some of the songs that evoke memories in me in the background. You're listening to Diffusion, and here comes a song that evokes a few special memories for my friend Anna.
What is it that reduces stress and anxiety and makes you sexier? What helps your heart and makes you slimmer? Dr Brody has discovered the strange connection between vitamin C and sexual behaviour. Ian Wolfe pops a vitamin pill and investigates. Dr Stuart Brody reports that people who took high-dose sustained-release vitamin C had sex more often. Not just any sex, but only sex that could result in pregnancy. Even stranger, this effect was stronger in people who didn't live with their partner and in women. This was a randomised controlled trial over two weeks. According to Dr Brody, ascorbic acid, vitamin C, lowers your sensitivity to stress, reduces approach anxiety, 
which is how anxious you are about meeting people you find attractive, improves how well your blood flows and increases oxytocin release. Oxytocin is the cuddle and bonding chemical released during intimacy. All of these may contribute to making penile vaginal intercourse, or PVI, happen more often. Dr. Brody suggests that the reason PVI sexual frequency went up, and not any other form of sexual activity, is due to evolution. Behaviour that improves the chances of reproduction are favoured over behaviour that's just fun. Dr. Brody's 2006 research has shown that the prolactin hormone that contributes most to making you feel sexually satisfied is four times higher from penile vaginal sex than from any other form of sexual activity. Our brains are more rewarded, and in fact our physical and psychological health is better the more PVI we have, says Dr. Brody. Subjects in the study kept a daily diary of all their sexual behaviour. They also answered questions on the psychology gold standard Beck Depression Inventory and scored a better mood. People taking the vitamin C who lived with their partner actually had a slight reduction in how often they had sex. Dr. Brody suggests that there is a different system in the brain for going out and seeking a sexual partner as opposed to finding yourself becoming aroused and having sex with your partner at home. It's hard to explain his results any other way. You may wonder, as I did, what inspired this research? The work is sponsored by the pharmaceutical giant GlaxoSmithKline, which, although they make delayed-release vitamin C, doesn't explain how he knew to look for a brain system of going out and finding a sexual partner. However, when I looked into his other research, it started making a kind of sense. The jargon has changed over the years from FSI, for full sexual intercourse, to PVI, for penile vaginal intercourse, but the work is very thorough and consistent. Dr Stuart Brody is a professor of psychology at the University of Paisley, Scotland. He's also worked at the University of Tübingen, Germany. He's originally from New York City, and he's the author of over 100 scholarly medical publications. He's done research into AIDS in Africa, and he's been outspoken about the politics of AIDS research funding and policy. Dr. Brody started this path by researching the effect of high-dose, 3 grams, sustained-release vitamin C in reducing the effects of stress and lowering blood pressure in 2002. Acute psychological stress was induced from public speaking and being asked to perform mental arithmetic. It scares me. Later that year came this report. High-dose ascorbic acid increases intercourse frequency and improves mood, a randomised controlled clinical trial. You can see a logical progression here, from vitamin C and stress to vitamin C and sex. In 2003, he released a report showing that women's concentration and emotional communication were better the more often they had sex. In the paper titled, Alexithymia is inversely associated with women's frequency of vaginal intercourse. Dr. Gordon Gallup suggests that brain chemicals in semen may also be helping here. Epinephrine, vasopressin and oxytocin are all found in semen, and supplements are known to help learning and memory. Dr. Gallup's research in 2002 found that women who had unprotected sex were more decisive and had better powers of concentration. At the end of 2003, Dr. Brody published the paper Vaginal Intercourse Frequency and Heart Rate Variability, which, as you may start to guess, showed that more vaginal sex is good for the heart. In 2004, he reported slimness is associated with greater intercourse and lesser masturbation frequency. Yes, people who have sex more often are slimmer, and specifically only the kind of sex that might make babies, PVI. Are you starting to see a theme? In February 2006, Dr. Brody released his findings that PVI results in feeling less stress as measured by lower blood pressure during public speaking and other psychologically stressful experiences. 
In March, he published the report showing PVI is four times more satisfying than masturbation, as recorded in objective levels of the brain hormone prolactin released after orgasm. Dr. Brody has produced an amazing body of work. Vitamin C reduces stress. Vitamin C makes you more likely to go and find a sexual partner and makes you a little happier. Sex that could get you pregnant is good for the heart, makes you slimmer, helps women concentrate better, is four times more satisfying than masturbation, and has stress-reducing effects that are good for a week. While, if you're single, you might consider buying that attractive stranger a drink from the juice bar, maybe it has a whole 3,000 milligrams of vitamin C and maybe it doesn't. However, if you live with your partner, you might want to keep them away from high doses. And that was Ian Wolfe exploring the research of Dr Stuart Brody into health, and PVI sexuality and can I just say I have so many problems with so much of that Ian can we have a little bit of a group discussion what would you like to ask well why is it that you want to keep your partner away from vitamin C I thought it was all great for everything to do with sex and happiness Dr Brody's study found that people who lived with their sexual partner actually had a tiny bit less sexual activity than people who didn't live with their sexual partner. So he suggests that there's a different mechanism in the brain for having sex with the partner you live with and going out and finding sex. So he suggests that you're more likely to have sex with a novel partner if you have sustained release high-dose vitamin C. What I'm curious about, and I'm sure the rest of the people listening um, are, is how many glasses of OJ do you actually need to have these PVI effect? Well, to get three grams... Mm-hmm. which is what Dr. Brody was talking about, it would take 30 glasses of orange juice because there's only 100 milligrams of vitamin C in a full glass of orange juice. And that's a lot are of we orange talking, juice. Are we talking daily juice? We're we talking those serious orange juices? We're, we're talking serious, unprocessed. Orange farmers Australia-wide are wiping their brows and smiling. But of course, this is like any other sort of drinking. If you do too much, you're going to be running off to the loo. Apparently, Dr. Linus Pauling, who was a big advocate of vitamin C in the past, found that at really, really high doses, you have problems with diarrhoea. So people are getting diarrhoea, they're not getting lucky. No. Thanks for your company. Today, your weekly dose of sustained release science was brought to you by Catherine Behag, Mark West, Ian Wolfe, and yours truly, Tilly Berlin. We've all had a lot of fun here at 2SER's Orange Studios in sunny Sydney. If you'd like to get in touch with the Diffusion team with any questions, ideas, or you'd like to sign the International Hugger Scientist Day petition, you can email us at diffusion at 2SER.com. If you've missed any of the previous shows, you can always download our podcast from iTunes by searching for Diffusion, or you can go directly to feeds.feedburner.com slash diffusionradio. Enjoy the rest of your week, science lovers, and see you next week, same time, same station, for Diffusion. She just left us are you so funny? I said, yeah. I can't see anyone else smiling You wanna live like common people You wanna see whatever common people see Wanna sleep with common people